the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Join us now for a very special parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and The Word to Stand On for Life on AM 630, The Word. This is The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember a television series named Julia. It's famous for a couple of things. The first thing it's famous for, it was the first television show on primetime TV that had a black actor or actress as its star. And much was made of it back then when it was a hit or when it came out. It starred Diane Carroll, and of course she was a single mother who was raising her child all by herself. She lived in a big city. She lived in a luxury high-rise apartment. She was a nurse. I never figured out how on a nurse's salary she could afford all of those things that she had, the furnishings, the, the wonderful clothes. Nothing was ever out of place. Single moms, is that like your house? Her son, Corey, was just the best little boy, always with his nose in a book. Always asking really great questions. His shirt was always tucked in, and he was always on his best behavior. She worked for a doctor who absolutely loved her and kind of adopted her and Corey as his own, and so all of their needs were taken care of. Does that sound like a typical single mom's life? It doesn't. Well, in the same way, I doubt there are many blended families in this room tonight who have found that blending those families has turned out like the Brady Bunch. You know, you didn't suddenly get married. Everything just went together, and your kids were suddenly friends with, with their new stepbrothers and sisters. You, you didn't open a door and see that you had a maid named Alice who took care of all the cooking and the cleaning and all the kid emergencies that happened. And there wasn't always a 30-minute solution to the problems in your life like there was in the problems in the Brady household. Well, those weren't real stories, obviously, and your story is. I want to encourage you tonight, right at the beginning, God loves you so much. His plans for you are so great, and it doesn't matter what the circumstances you find yourself in. He's given you a way out. His heart is so tender towards you, single moms, and your children. His heart wants to care for you and to love you. You are his very heart. And I hope, I really hope tonight that you leave here encouraged, in spite of how difficult things might be, in your life. For those of you in blended families and you're going through difficult adjustments, perhaps things aren't working out the way that you hoped they would. Tonight there's hope in the instruction, not just the encouragement that the single moms are going to get, but the instruction of the Lord about how to blend these families together for His glory. Guys, there's so many things going on today in our culture that the writers of the Bible could never have imagined. Can you imagine what it would have been like if the Apostle Paul could just pop into America today and look around and see all of the divorced families, all of the hurting people, all of the professing Christians whose lives, frankly, are upside down in turmoil. 
And Paul would have shook his head and his heart would have broken. But you know what Paul would have said? I have the answers for you. I know how to fix this if you'll listen. God loves you and he'll care for you. And so even though the writers of the Bible couldn't possibly have understood the things that we live through today, the real author of the Bible, God obviously could and he did. Thus, he has left us very solid biblical principles for problems that are very modern and are very unique to the time and the place that we live in. Philip was a single parent. Philip was not only a single parent, but he was a single parent who raised godly kids, four daughters. Can you imagine how difficult that was? Now, we don't know for sure what happened to Philip's wife. Philip was a... Hellenistic Jew, Philip got saved at the very beginning of the first century church. He was one of those men who, when he walked around, people knew he loved Jesus Christ. So obviously full of the Spirit that when a problem arose in the early church and Peter said, look, we're studying the Bible, we're devoting ourselves to prayer, we're trying to give direction to this new thing called the church, you pick out from among your own number seven men filled with wisdom and the Holy Spirit, and it didn't take any time at all. For a bunch of people to point and say, Philip, you're one of our men because you love Jesus. And so at some point in his walk, he fell in love and he got married. Now, now, it's possible that he was married before his conversion to Christ. It's possible that his wife deserted him, as was the case often in Jewish homes when one or other or the other of the partners became a Christian. It's more likely, however, that sometime during his walk, his wife simply died. People didn't live long then. Illness was pretty commonplace, and people died at fairly young ages. Whatever the situation, this man, Philip, who was so gifted by God, was left with four daughters and no mom, no wife. And he raised him in the ways of the Lord. How did he do that? Well, we know, don't we, that he was obedient. He he was an evangelist. He went to the place nobody else wanted to go early on. He went to Samaria, the place that no respecting Jew would want to be. And he went because he just knew he had to declare the word of God. His daughters would have seen the miracles that he did at some point in their lives with him. His daughters would have heard Bible stories. His daughters would have love Jesus with all of their heart, and we know that because they too were very gifted, unmarried daughters who were committed completely to the Lord Jesus Christ and who also were prophetesses. So it is possible, isn't it, to raise kids as a single parent and watch your kids grow up to serve Jesus Christ and bring him glory. In the book of Amos, how can two walk together? God, of course, is talking uh, about Israel. I've chosen you. I love you. And you've rebelled against me time and time again. How can two walk together unless we agree to do so? God says, I have a path for you. And so it's in these examples tonight that we'll see God's heart. And we'll see the path that he has in these contemporary times that the Bible writers, as I mentioned earlier, couldn't possibly have understood. Single moms and their children today are the widows and orphans that you read about in the Old Testament, the contemporary counterpart. Listen to these. You can write the verse references down, but listen just to these. These are just a few examples of God's heart towards single moms and their children. In Exodus chapter 22, verses 22 and 23, God says, Do not take take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. Isn't that wonderfully encouraging? When everything seems to be stacked against you, when, when it seems as there's no hope, You can cry out to God, and he says he will hear your cry. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 19. Cursed is the man who withholds justice from the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do right, God says to Israel. Seek justice, encourage the oppressed. Here's the key. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. 
My favorite, Psalm 68, verse 5, a father, this describes God, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. James chapter 1, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Guys, there are more than 33 such references in your Bible regarding widows and orphans or the single moms and their children today. Clearly, single moms and their kids are important to God. They also should be important to us. Everyone in this room, indeed everyone in this country, knows a single mother. One-third, that is a staggering number, one-third of all children in the United States are being raised by a single mom. Children being raised by single dads, as I mentioned earlier, make up less than 5% of kids in the country. Single parent families face unbelievable challenges just to survive, just to exist. The challenges are beyond anything most of us can understand. Meeting basic needs is often overwhelming. I mean, think about how expensive it is just to put gasoline in a car. Forget about providing insurance for that car. Forget about daycare, paying for daycare. All of that's going to consume most of the income that a single mom can make. Now, there are exceptions, but I'm speaking generally. Most single parents don't make a fortune, and it's tough to live. They have to pay for utilities. They have to pay for emergency medical and dental needs. And when we consider how little money is normally paid to single moms... The circumstances seem sometimes to be dire. Only about half of all single moms receive any child support at all from the biological fathers, which means necessarily that one half of single moms in this country live below the poverty level. Sometimes we say, you look a little tired, what's going on? Is everything okay? And we're completely sometimes insensitive to just how difficult things are. Divorce accounts for 46% of all single-parent households. Unwed mothers make up 25%, and separated but not divorced moms make up 21% of the total, while death of a spouse accounts for only 7% of the total number of single parents. Imagine this, in our country today, there are some 14 million children living in these homes. That's how serious the problem is, guys. And that's why God is very protective of them, very concerned about them. And in the same way, if we're a church of Jesus Christ, if we profess to have the love of Jesus Christ, single moms and their children must also be a priority for us. Not just Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. I'm proud to say we do a pretty good job here, a fairly effective job. We could do better. But, but in the church today, you know, sometimes, especially if you're in that divorced category, people in the church have a tendency to look at you like, well, you're damaged goods. You know, you made your bed sleep in it. And that is not God's heart towards single moms at all. At Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, we do what we can to provide jobs for single moms. We have a limited budget, of course, so we do the best we can. But we try to provide jobs for them in and around the, the, the church and the academy, jobs where they don't need to be forced to put their kids into daycare, where they can come when their kids come to school and go home when their kids go home from school. It's also a reason why we have a Lilies of the Field ministry, for those of you who don't know. Lilies of the Field are gift cards from HEB and Walmart that people in the church purchase when they're going to those stores and do shopping for themselves. It's just extra change cards, or sometimes people are are, are just led to to, to give $20 extra and put it in a card. Then we put it in the offering box, and we make sure that the single moms who desperately need that kind of help get the help just to lighten the load a little bit. As many of you know, I encourage all giving here at Calvary Chapel go to the general fund. Sometimes, you know, we like to exercise control even over what we give to God. And yet it is out of the general fund that all of these needs are met. 
And it's important that we understand it is a responsibility of our church. You know, sometimes we in this country, we have a, a tendency to think, well, you know, it's not my problem. I've got my own issues to deal with. Believe me, unless you are a single parent, you don't understand how difficult the issues are that these people face. I want you to know that if you're ever prayerfully wondering how you can help someone, all you need to do is look around in this church and find a single mom, I promise you that she needs help. And God would be so thrilled if you would offer that help. More on that in a little bit. For those of you who are single parents and facing difficult times, let me beg you tonight to give God a chance to show off for you regarding your role as a single mom. You know, there's so much confusion about what I'm going to do to get out of this mess. And sometimes the last person we consult is the Lord Jesus Christ. We listen to counsel from parents, counsel from friends, counsel from neighbors. We listen to counsel from those two world-famous advisors, Oprah and Dr. Phil. Instead of going to the counselor who is called wonderful, the Lord Jesus Christ. The world says it's necessary for you to, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get a better education, make something out of your life so that you can make more money. Isn't it interesting? The world always says making more money is the answer to your problems. And yet that may not be God's plan for you. Those answers about money and self-improvement are the reasons that many kids go to daycare while moms go to school, and then when school is out, they often try to hold down jobs to provide. And then when they come home dead tired, they've got studying to do, and the result is that kids grow up detached from their moms, and their lives are left with them feeling unimportant and unloved. In frustration, a lot of times I hear single moms say, well, what am I supposed to do? And I want to be clear, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty tonight, because it's necessary to work. That's how we survive in this country. And as much as I hate to say this, and, and it, this breaks my heart more than I can communicate, as much as I hate to say it, daycare is sometimes necessary and unavoidable. If that is your case, don't let anybody in this world make you feel guilty about doing what you have to do. If that's what God is leading you to do, then do it and trust your children with the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the key. Please pray and ask God what his solution is. Don't come up with your own solutions. Don't try to reason this out with your own common sense. Ask God what he wants you to do. God, they're your children. You've given them to me. Yeah, I haven't always made the right choices, but now, Lord, I want to do things your way. What is it, Lord, that I should do? Because you just might be raising the next great preacher, or the next great evangelist. And it's true, isn't it, that you are raising someone else's future husband or wife. And there's a responsibility that goes along with that. It's important that you understand how important, in fact, it is more important than anything else on earth to get your kids to heaven. To help them fall in love with Jesus Christ. That's more important than anything else on this planet. I've watched many times as God has done miracles for some single moms in this body who really have put their hope and their trust, their future in the hands of God. And I've watched many of those single moms grow to far greater places than they ever dreamed possible simply by letting God lead and guide. There's nothing wrong with getting a job. There's nothing wrong with going to college unless you don't ask God first. Give God a chance to show you His plan for your life. That is the encouragement. That is the way things can get done. For the rest of this portion on single moms, really the encouragement is to the rest of the body of Christ, how we can help them. You see, there are lots of practical ways that we can help these moms. Things that God approves of, things that would please God. You see, they need our help. They don't need our condemnation. They don't need us to tell them, well, you know, you never should have gotten divorced. Or, well, you know, you shouldn't have had sex in the first place. They don't need that from us. They need our love. They don't even need our counsel. They need our prayers and our hearts. 
And when our prayers come from pure hearts, I promise you God will put some of these moms and their children on your hearts and he will give you ways to help them. Here's some ways that we can help practically, which will put a smile on the Lord's face, not to mention the face of the single mom and their children. Surprise a single mom occasionally by letting her come home to a clean house. We've got lots of people that are willing to clean. Find somebody who needs the help. Often at the end of a long day, you know, they come home and they've got all kinds of things to do, but they open the door and the house is a mess. They've got cooking, they've got cleaning, they've got kids ready for school, they've got a million things to do, they've got ironing to do, laundry to do. And, and sometimes wouldn't it be nice if they could just come home and say, wow, all that's done, you mean I can just rest? It doesn't cost anything except a little bit of time. And oh, what a labor of love the God would be pleased. Lightening the load for them, cleaning for them occasionally relieves a lot of pressure. People who are handy, you can fix stuff that is broken for them. We have a lot of single moms who can fix stuff. But they shouldn't always have to. We have even more single parents who can't fix anything. If I was single... I would need your help. <laughs> yeah. I want to make a confession here. We have a ministry at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio designed for this very purpose. It's been the single biggest disappointment of my years here at Calvary Chapel. We call it Bezalel Ministry. It's a ministry designed to, to fix things, to, to help people in difficult situations, not, not to be taken advantage of, but, but just, you know, car tune-ups and, and changing flat tires and plumbing repairs and painting or fixing things that break that don't work at the house. And, and its design was intended to be an aid for single moms primarily and elderly as well. And we've had some people that got excited about it at first. Oh, yeah, but then, you know, when the call comes, hey, I need something, I need something else to do, they back out, and then they're less excited, and then other people who signed up to help them kind of back out of that help. You know, guys, we can fix things for people and solve a lot of their problems. It is our offering to the Lord. Those of you who have the gift of being able to fix things with your hands, you have no idea what a blessing that gift is. Coming from someone who can fix nothing, I can't tell you how envious I am. I can't even begin the process of figuring out what to do first. Well, that's not exactly true because I always say, Paula, that's the first thing I do. <laughs> but our Bezalel ministry, name for the man who was the craftsman who built the tabernacle for Moses. Filled with the Spirit of God. Was intended to relieve this burden. And we frankly have not done a good job about it. Guys, these moms need help. These moms need help. And it's our duty to help them. Third, we can buy groceries for them from time to time. Go to H-E-B and whatever you buy... Buy double. You don't need to know what they like. They've got kids. They'll eat cereal. They'll eat stuff that, that your kids eat. Just once in a while. Not all the time. Not every week. Most of us can't afford to do that. But, you know, just from time to time, buy double. And take over five or six grocery bags. And you know what? Sometimes you can just leave it and do it anonymously. And they open the door and they see the grocery bags and... Holy Spirit says, this is how much God loves you. Say, well, I don't get any credit if I do it that way. Yes, you do in heaven where the credit matters. Sometimes just something as simple as buying groceries for them will relieve a lot of anxiety. And more importantly, it will just show them that God has never stopped thinking about them. His eyes are always upon them. And you get an opportunity to be used to tell someone else how precious they are to God. Those of you with kids know how much kids can eat. What a blessing that would be. Fourth, as crass as this may sound, give them money. Give them money. Don't, don't hand it to them in their hands. Put your non-tax-deductible gift in the offering box with a note that this is for a single mom. I say non-tax deductible because directed giving can't be deducted from your taxes. And you know what? We'll make sure it gets to them. And we always give it to them like this. You know, 
God really had you on someone's heart this week. Obviously, they've been praying, and now they've provided uh, just a love offering for you. What a great, great way to say, you know what? Jesus really loves you. Hang in there. Everything is going to turn out okay. Fifth, you can help with transportation. For some of these moms whose cars barely run, or you can help with transportation for their kids who are involved in extracurricular activities like sports, karate, soccer, you name it. We've got all these things going on in our lives these days. By the way, don't overload your kids with stuff. Make sure they've got time for homework and Bible study and prayer, the things that we need to focus on. But, but just help out with transportation. Don't worry, I'll take care of it today. Why don't you just rest? Great, great, great way to help. Sixth, and, and, and this is especially helpful, and your kids can get involved. Mow their lawns. Take care of their weeds. There are things that need painting, touching up. Do it. Say, so you know what? Just We want to show up on a Saturday and take care of something. And God will smile upon you, at the same time smiling upon them. Again, the point, they'll know that God loves them. More of the parenting series with Pastor Ron Arbaugh of The Word to Stand On for Life coming up in two minutes on AM 630, The Word. Join us now for a very special parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and The Word to Stand On for Life on AM 630, The Word. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh your daughters moms if you're not submitting to the leadership of your husband in the home your daughters are learning to rebel against authority and you can rationalize it any way you want to, but the, but the fact of the matter is, is they're going to rebel against all authority, including your own. And so it's important that they see correct models for relationships and follow it. You have to ask yourself often, is what they're seeing in our home what I want them to have when they grow up? If it is, praise the Lord. If it's not, make some changes. Splendid families, guys are doomed to a cycle of failure if the moms and dads aren't absolutely committed to a godly walk. Jesus Christ must first be preeminent in the lives of the husband and the wife, the mom and the dad. That's on the spiritual plane. On the earthly plane or the horizontal plane, then the marriage has to be a picture of that. Now, now this is going to be very difficult for some of you, especially those of you who are moms who bring your kids into a blended family, but, but it's so important that you understand this. Your children have to understand that they take priority beneath your husband. Beneath your husband. The marriage relationship is the highest ideal on earth, a picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ in heaven. And it must come first. And if you put your children ahead of your spouse, then what you're telling your children is that this marriage commitment really isn't all that important. And it loses the value of being able to say, look, look at our marriage. It's a picture only better of what Christ wants for us when we go to be with him. Jesus is our husband. Whether you're a man or a woman, Jesus is your husband. And he has to be first. Well, if the relationship God has chosen to, to most closely represent that wonderful fact is kind of ugly, well, then your children aren't going to be excited about being married to him. And as difficult as, as it seems, you've got to put your husband, and you've got to put your wife ahead of your relationship with your kids. They've got to understand there is a pecking order in God's world. It's first Christ. He's the head. Then the husband's ahead of the home, spiritually speaking. Then the wife. Then the kids. And that comforts them. 
It, it makes sense of things. It gives them order. The relationship between husband and wife must have priority in the home. And when it does, your children will grow up establishing those same priorities when they begin choosing a partner. Now, with that foundation, let's talk about some of the difficult issues. And again, this is not a comprehensive list, but we need to talk about these things because they're battlegrounds in many homes. Discipline is often the major battleground in a blended family. Now, now let me say, and I want to refer to, to, the, to the earlier study that we did on discipline and spanking. Let me encourage the step-parent, especially at the beginning, to be very slow to, to take over. Authority, respect needs to be earned through loving these kids. And if you go in, hey, there's a new sheriff in town, that's misrepresenting Jesus Christ. So love them. Invest yourself in them. Let them know that they're safe, that they're in good hands before you start exercising your authority. But, but you see, discipline is a battleground because the husband and wife often do not agree on the rules of acceptable conduct in the household. And it is absolutely critical that that agreement is made. How do two walk together unless they agree to do so? Have any of you found that your children are really good at working one parent against the other? Man, my kids were growing up. They, they knew exactly what they could come to me for, money. And what they could come to Paula for, everything else. And you know what? They, they're smarter than we give them credit for. And so there has to be unity in terms of what the acceptable rules of the household are going to be. There can't be, well, that's his opinion or this is my opinion. There can't be that kind of controversy. There have to be guidelines, and those guidelines have to be consistent and loving, and we get those guidelines from the Bible, not from what the world says we need to do with blended families. God is so clear on these issues that it is not ever necessary to disagree about what to do. You may disagree about what you feel like doing. You may disagree about what you've always done. But these issues are so clearly detailed in Scripture, these issues about discipline, that, that you never need argue again about what the right thing to do is. Establish rules, consistent rules. I've said this so many times, and this is for all parents. Kids are born with a chip that says, okay, push limits. And they keep pushing and they keep pushing, and that chip never stops until they find a limit that doesn't move. And while they may try for a while to keep moving it, once they find a limit that doesn't move, they kind of settle down inside those limits, feeling very protected and very secure. Establish limits in your home. Establishing unity in terms of rules and discipline is vital. Never, ever allow any disrespect by your children to your spouse. Never. If your relationship with your spouse really is primary, if the two of you are now one flesh, if your child is disrespectful to your spouse, to his or her stepmom or stepdad, well, then they're really being disrespectful to you because you're one. And you can never allow any disrespect. And that goes for all families. If you've got children who are disrespecting your wife, men, you need to deal with it. And you need to deal with it right away. And you need to deal with it firmly. And you need to deal with it consistently. Nobody talks about my wife. They can talk about anything else. I can talk about my wife. But nobody else better. And so never allow any disrespect to your spouse. Again, there must be unity. Never take sides with your children against your spouse. Again, even in normal nuclear families, that's a critical component. Never take sides. Your children should never see you guys disagreeing about the way something should be done. You may disagree. You may be caught off guard a few times, but you know what? Make a united front and then give your spouse one of those we-need-to-talk-in-private looks. And then... Work it out, consistent with the Word of God. But never let your children see you take sides against one another, and it's like shark in a feeding frenzy if they do. And they will take advantage of it. Your children need to know 
that they can't divide you. They can't divide you. You know, when I got saved, you know, for years it was the three men, me and Ronnie and Terry against Mom. Mom was the goody two-shoes. She was the Christian. And she could go out and do all these things. They come say, Dad, you'll never guess what Mom did today. And say, oh, you know, Miss Goody Two-Shoes, we'd say. Miss Good Deed, we called her. That's what we called her. Well, we'd go to a restaurant or a movie, sit in line, and she would have somebody she'd be talking to. And my kids would come up and say things like, Mom made another best friend. <laughs> and so they always could join with me in teasing their mom. And when I got saved... I think the thing that made them the angriest is that now, from their perspective, it was mom and dad against us. That's the way it should have always been, not against, but together. So never let your kids see you take sides against one another. If you are single with children and considering marriage, if you're single and considering marriage, anyway, this is great advice. Don't rush. But especially so if you have children to consider or if the person you're considering marrying has children to consider. Make sure your prospective spouse is comfortable with your kids and the other way around. Make sure you understand that you're not just marrying a husband or a wife, that you're marrying a father or a mother. It's selfish to take care of your needs without considering the needs of your children. These are things that need to be prayed about so, so intensely. Because when you stand before your family, your friends, your pastor, when you stand before God and say, I do, you're saying this is forever. And remember, if you come from a divorce background, you've already learned how to quit. And we're trying to show everybody something different in Christ because that's the way it's supposed to be. If you're considering marriage with somebody who has children, or if you have children, talk a lot. Define terms. The word discipline sends shivers up some people's spines. Other people just think, oh, cool, yeah, I can whip them. <laughs> Define terms. Consider your background. Some people come from backgrounds where there's a lot of volume in the house. They think nothing of yelling and screaming. And some of us come from backgrounds where there was so much yelling and screaming, we don't want to hear any of it. And so talk about these things and agree what the emotional temperature is going to be like around your house. Talk about spanking as we spoke about it in an earlier study. Ladies, I've had many... Moms refuse to allow their husbands, stepdads, to discipline their children. Those are my kids. You leave my kids alone. You can deal with your kids, but you leave my kids alone. How can that possibly be? How could you ever consider marrying a man that you don't trust to discipline your children? And so God's ideal for the household doesn't change just because there's an emotional hot spot. It still needs to be done the same way. Settle these issues. If you are already in a relationship, that can be described that way. My kids, I'll deal with them. You leave them alone. Then you're wrong. You're wrong. And you need to repent. You need to, to, to get in unity one with the other and establish your kids so desperately need consistency. Establish that consistency in the home. For single moms who marry, this is maybe even the most difficult step of all to take. You see, the mom and their kids have usually forged a very tight bond. For a long time, in some cases, they've had only one another to depend on. And now this person is coming in. Make sure this is the person God sent. And then what do you do? You trust God. You trust God. If God brought a man into your life, he also brought a dad into your children's lives. Give him the opportunity to be their dad. Give him the opportunity. I don't care what the courts say. Oh, no, step-parents have no standing. I don't care about that. You do in God's eyes. And if you're the man God has chosen for a single mom and her kids, you're the man he's chosen to represent him to those children. And not to love them, to, to make a distinction between your kids and the stepkids is to make a distinction God doesn't make. Can you imagine where all of us would be as Gentiles, where all of us would be if God made a distinction between his natural kids and his adopted kids? We're stepkids, aren't we? 
Can you imagine if God said, well, you know, those converted Jews, they're really my children, and I give them all the, the perks, but, but you Gentiles, you know, I love you and you're okay, but you're not like my own. No, God died for us. And so that has to be our focus. If you're already married, and if you are, God wants you to stay that way, get counseling to settle these issues so that you can start immediately. You can start immediately. And when I say counseling, by the way, I mean counseling from the church, counseling from the Word of God, not counseling from the world. But make sure that you can get started on the right foundation. Ensure that your children are treated with the love and the consistency that they deserve. Your husband can't be the spiritual head of the household and powerless to discipline your kids at the same time. With all of these, there's always difficult issues to deal with. For women, your ex-husband, the child's father, is often antagonistic towards your faith in God and always antagonistic towards you and your new husband, your new family. We've had situations where the non-custodial parent has tried to make rules about how my kid's going to be treated in your home. They forfeited that right. If you're the custodial parent, you have to treat them the way God tells you to treat them. Do things God's way, even if the biological parent disagrees. Because that's what you're obligated to do when you have a new family serving the Lord. Could there be trouble? Could there be threats? Well, I'm going to go and, and, and sue for support. I'm going to sue for custody. Yeah, they, they can huff and they can puff. But if God is the one holding your house together, they can't blow the house down. Here's a place where we get a chance to trust God. Make no apologies for running your household to honor God. I also know that there are many who have discipline issues when visitation arises. If your children's biological father or mother, whatever the case may be, is willing, they need to see their mom or their dad. And yet sometimes when you send your child to his biological father's house if ever find the rules aren't the same and especially if they've had a week or they had a summer or they've had a month you know what happens they come home and it's like you got to start all over well dad lets us watch those videos i want to go live with him dad lets us do all these things i want to go be with him you know what you just say no what dad does is between dad and god you're my child you live by these rules. Also, I think it's very important for you single parents, when your child is going to visit their other parent, the biological parent, let them know that they are accountable to you for the way they behave while they're there. Just because dad says or mom says some of these things are okay to do, you remind them you know better. And you will be accountable for the choices you make when you return. And when they return... Make sure they understand that the rules haven't changed in the month they've been gone. This is still Jesus' house, and everything that dishonors him is out. Those are very important guidelines. Very important guidelines. A couple of other things, and we'll close. There's, there's always problems with traditions and family histories when new families begin. But, but guys, that's an important time. You establish your own traditions. The old way of doing things needs to go. And we have to be flexible to establish new traditions. You know, where are you going to go on Christmas? Where are you going to go on Thanksgiving? And, and where are the kids going to be? And my goodness, do we tell them about Santa Claus because the biological parent says he's okay and he's real and he's jolly? Or do we tell them the truth that this is all about Jesus Christ? Remember, the Bible gives very clear direction. And deception is never the answer. If you lie to your children about Santa Claus, the time is coming when they're going to think, maybe they were lying to me about Jesus Claus. They need to be able to count on someone to tell them the truth in love. All of these things, as I said earlier, are potential minefields. And we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. So what kind of new traditions can we start and how can we solve these problems and get things on the right track, even if you find yourself tonight in the middle of a blended family mess? Well, the first 
new tradition that needs to start is Bible study. Bible study at home, family time together in the Word. Your kids, especially if they're teenagers, may rebel. That's why God made you the parent and put you in charge. We're going to have it. You're going to enjoy it, or at least look like you do. And you're going to be respectful about it. And by the way, God really honors that kind of commitment by the parents. And he will touch your kids' hearts, I promise. But you've got to be doing it his way, in the word. Make it clear to your kids that they don't get a vote, that their attendance is required. Same principle works for family prayer. Discussions about the things of God. You know what thrills me to death here? I, I, so many of you, I mean, I could point to any ten of you in here, but, but, but literally so many of you in here, we're blown away by your kids' knowledge of the Bible. Paul and I, we just thought it would be a hoot one night. We, we took six kids to uh, Chronicles of Narnia. We just, just the kids, just me and Paul. And the conversations before and after were amazing. I mean, they're talking Bible stories. They're asking questions. that I knew the answers, but Paula didn't. <laughs> but, but, but it's an amazing thing, the knowledge they have. Can you imagine how equipped they're going to be? So make sure they understand that this is the way it's going to be. Another issue that's going to be tough for blended families is the concept that your home belongs to God. It's Jesus' house, period. Even for the unbelieving kids, there can be nothing allowed that dishonors the Lord Jesus Christ. That means ugly music. And I'm not a, you've got to get rid of all secular music kind of guy. But, 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 but music that takes God's name in vain, music that has profanity, music that deals with demonic stuff, music that deals with, I know I'm getting rid of most of the music, but <laughs> the, the idea is if it dishonors Jesus Christ, why do you want to expose your kids to it? Oh, it's just the music. We like the beat. If it dishonors God, it's got to go. Videos, computer games, posters. If it dishonors the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't go in your home. I repeat from an earlier study, your child's room is not theirs until they pay the mortgage or the rent. I'm taking the last couple of minutes here to preach at you a little bit because this is so important. In all families, not just blended families, but in all families, education must be a priority in your home. You need to train your kids. And I'll talk about this more next week. You need to train your kids to do all things as unto the Lord. That means there has to be discipline in the home. It means that they can't go out and play. They can't do things that are fun until they've done their homework as unto the Lord. That, oh, I'm all done. Okay, have fun. No, check it. Check it. Make sure that your kids understand the value of education. Now, the problem we have there is that many parents today don't understand the value of it. Oh, I did okay without one. Well, I don't understand the reason for algebra. I don't understand the reason for Latin. You know, we're never going to use that kind of stuff. You know, the moment you've done that, you've told your children that all their education is unimportant. And they need to know that you support their teachers, their school, whether it's the public schools or Calvary Chapel Christian Academy or homeschool. If you are a homeschooler, you need to be on a schedule with your homeschool. To have your kids spend all day in their pajamas is just wrong. That's not doing all things is unto the Lord. Your kids have got to understand how important, how valuable, you need to understand how valuable reading is. Your children's imaginations are shut down because they don't read. They can play video games for hours. They can watch videos for hours. But you put a book in their hands and they rebel. But it's reading that prepares them to learn to use their imagination for good things, for God things. And if all they're going to do is play video games or look at videos, their imagination is going to be focused on worldly things. Make sure that this concept of finishing the task is taught to your children, blended family or otherwise. In your homes, encourage affection, hugs, lots of them, and appropriate kissing is healthy. Moms and dads, be the example. As I said earlier, let your affection for each other be obvious to your kids. 
Make sure that your attitude toward money and material things is healthy. Step parents, you won't win your stepchildren over by buying them everything they want. You win them over by loving them. Again, I want to close with this. If you're not married now, never rush into it. If kids are involved, be careful. The next marriage must be a success. You must finish it. You can't bail on this one no matter what. So you have to be sure. It's important that we teach our kids that there's a new way with Christ, that things are better. There's a fresh outlook on what marriage is. And if we as moms and dads, we keep divorcing just because things don't work out, well, then your children, every time something doesn't work out in their life, they're going to find out that the best way to deal with it is to run away from it. So you have to be sure. Never rush into these things. And then finally this. And this is a hard one. Never, ever should a Christian parent speak badly of your kid's biological mother or dad. Never. I know that's hard. I don't care if they're two years late on support. I don't care how many times he's taken you to court for an increase in support or she's done the same thing. I I don't care if they're having an affair with someone you hate. Never speak ill of them to your children. It's disrespectful and it's dishonoring to God. And that rule has to be observed by both husband and wife in a blended family. If you've blown this one already and who hasn't, just commit in your heart to God tonight to make sure that it stops today. And then go to your children. Be an adult. Be a Christian adult, a man or a woman of God who says, you know what? All the terrible things I've said about your father or about your mother, please forgive me. It was wrong. It dishonored God. And you know what? I don't want you to grow hating him or I don't want you to grow hating her. I want you to be able to love them and pray for them the way Jesus loves them and wants them to be his. But unless you admit you're wrong, unless you stop talking about how you've been wronged, your kids are going to learn all the wrong lessons. Next week we'll finish the series with what I think is an important message about your witness to your kids, the need for consistency. And let me just give you a preview to prepare your heart. It's about the absolute necessity of you falling madly in love with Jesus Christ. If you do, it's contagious. Thank you for joining us for today's program in the parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and the Word to Stand On for Life. 